Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. CSI Vegas returns tonight for its season three premiere on CBS in a new time slot on Sunday nights. I spoke to actress Marg Helgenberger, who's played Catherine Willows since the original CSI, when she starred in The Little Foxes at Arena Stage in Washington, D.C. back in 2016. Marg, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jason. And so it's Marg, as in Margot, as in Betty Davis, in uh, Margot Channing, Channing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, in um, All About Eve. There's the connection. All yes. My favorite Betty Davis movie, but also The Little Foxes, a great Betty Davis movie. Um, I assume you've seen it. I have seen the film, yes. Okay. Um, which is actually uh, not quite like the play. They've added some characters. They've opened it up a bit, obviously. It's not the... You know, with films, you do have to open it up. Um, Actually, I have to say the film, I don't I did not necessarily like the things they added in in the film. But you prefer the play better. I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. But Lillian Hellman, who who wrote the play, also wrote the screenplay, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think she adapted her own play. Yeah, I think so. So which sort of things. So William Wyler directed the it's a 1941 Hollywood classic, nominated for a bunch of Oscars, including Betty Davis. But what sort of things did you say that they added that you, you weren't really that big a fan of? Um, the, my daughter in the play, Alexandra is the character's name. She has a boyfriend in, in the play, which I don't know. And, and it just wasn't necessary. I didn't think to the plot, but. Right. That's Teresa Wright character. Uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. She, God, was, how do you, she was in a lot. Really oh, this is my your... stuff, man. I love movies. Oh. She was like Pride of the Yankees and Best Years of Our Lives and Shadow of a Doubt. Like Teresa Wright. Kick, kick, wow. Um, awesome. But okay. Yeah. So do you have, do you have like one of those memories where you can re- recall? A little bit of a savant. Yeah. <laughs> If you if you want, you want to test it. You want to test it. Give me a year. So throw out a year. A year. Just say a year. Nineteen thirty-eight. Thirty-eight was you can't take it with you. One best picture, uh, but I, my favorite's bringing up baby. Yeah, see, I can do it any year. Oh my god! <laughs> but all right, back uh, to the little foxes. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so um, just in case you know, we're riffing back and forth, like we've seen the movie and we know the play and everything, but let's pretend our <laughs> listeners have no idea. They think about- little foxes sounds cool, but I have no idea what it's about. Give them the little plot summary. All righty, it's it's set in 1900, turn of the century, which is a really kind of fascinating time in American history, the beginning of industrial revolution. Um, lots of changes happening, and uh, <clears throat> the family, the the Hubbard family, is lives in a small town outside of Mobile, Alabama. So it's the Deep South. We're about thirty five years out of the Civil War, okay. but you know things move slower in the South. Yeah. Um, and uh, this these three siblings, myself and my two brothers, Ben and Oscar, um, <laughs> you know they don't they're a successful family, but probably more like a bl- upper middle class. But they, especially Regina, my character, yeah. wants a lot more than that. She wants the the, the money to 
uh, to have a much like more adventurous life, you know, to go live in Chicago, high society, travel to Paris to buy yeah. clothing, etc. And um, so, in the beginning of the play, there's a man, a gentleman from Chicago, that's going to do to join, um, uh, start a partnership with them and building a, a cotton manufacturing plant in the South. Bring the bring the the uh, plant to the cotton or something is the the uh, line from the play. Anyway, so, and they kind of, you know, they don't always do things um, uh, above board. And and not only with the people that they're in business with, but with each other. They're always sort of backstabbing and going around each other. And it's uh, it's a real tale of (laughs) greed and and betrayal and and obviously dysfunction big time. But it's got actually a lot of humor in it. The characters are all really defined. I mean, that's what great writing is all about, is that you... You, it just becomes richer and richer the more you explore it, which has been we've been in, in rehearsals now for a week. And it's just we keep discovering new and think more. And I think throughout the run, we probably still will discover, oh, that's what that means. You'll now. be at the last performance and say, oh, I finally get. Yeah. That. Right, yeah. yeah. So then that's, you know, you, you that's the beauty of great writing. Yeah. And I have to say this is the Hubbard family, but different from the Hubbard family that owns WTOP, by the way. So that's who owns us. There's oh, a Hubbard really? family. Yeah. So no conflict <laughs> of interest here. No, I'm just kidding. But uh. So you mentioned how the great writing and um, just piggybacking off of that, you say you discover new things and new lines every time. So mm-hmm. this is, it's, uh, you mentioned it's Lillian Hellman, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I think she romantic partners with Dashiell Hammond he, back in the day too. Now <laughs> she, was. But, um, she was. But it's part yes. of a larger Lillian Hellman festival that's going on. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Yes. The arena stage has, um, usually likes to choose a playwright a season to highlight an American playwright. And in the past they've done um, Eugene O'Neill and Arthur Miller. And this year they decided this is their first yeah. female playwright who's like we're the first female giant yeah. in, in American playwrights and um and you know I, I, not the people necessarily have forgotten who Lillian Hellman I mean I think a younger crowd might not know who she right. is but she really was an ex- not only extraordinary writer but she had an extraordinary life I mean she was she was always on the forefront of like exposing fascism and and she was she happened to be blacklisted because of her her views. Uh, you know, in the early days in Hollywood, a lot of people you might know this because you're such a Hollywood bubble. <laughs> a lot of people were, you know, they attended communist meetings and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like it didn't have like sort of the same stigma as it does now, I right. guess. And it's certainly, you know, but in the. 50s that took on a whole other meaning and a lot of these people who had you know been to a meeting or two got labeled and and got blacklisted from hollywood and and uh you know had to go to london and other places to do work to complete you know what they their love of and their their livelihood was so they write um, under fronts like if you saw the Trumbo movie, uh, Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah, I didn't see it, but yes, exactly. Same exact idea, yeah. Yes, yes. So she, I'm glad that people, that that, uh, the arena is going to be presenting. The other play that they're doing is Watch on the Rhine, which I think is also, you know, fascism and is on the cusp of fascism and Nazism and she, t- you know, she takes on like big subjects and uh, Lillian Hellman. So um, I haven't read that one, but I, I got to put add that to my list. Yeah. Well, we'll, all, well, we can all read them for for days. Uh, they'll be around a while, I think. Yeah. T- take me into your character. How do you how do you prep for this? It's Regina. Regina Giddens. So that's Giddens is my married name. Um, How do I prep for it? You know, it's been an interesting role to work on because uh, she's been described as, uh, you know, monstrous bitch and so on. But, you know, you certainly can't. (laughs) Facebook Live. (laughs) You can't approach a character with a judgment, you know, like that. You know, you you have to understand these person's motivations and. 
and desires and wants, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it's it's a it's a challenging part. It's a really challenging part because she's very bright, very complex and funny. She's got a lot of qualities that are really admirable. I mean, she's charming and and quick and uh, witty and and uh, yet she's also manipulative. She's also cruel at times. And but that that's what makes it a fun part. You know, it's a, who who wants to play a you know a two dimensional character. Right. You know, you you want to have some as many colors as you uh, the rainbow that you can like explore. Absolutely. Same with interviews. You've already got it. It's colorful. It's, this is not two-dimensional at all. Look, we're on, on Facebook and everything. This is great. This is like 4D right now. Um, so take your co-star, uh, Edward Giro. Yes. We know him very well. He's come in so many times. Uh, for a while, I think he just stopped, but for many years, he was our Scrooge in A Christmas Carol at Ford's Theater. You know, oh, the was he? Yeah, no, Lincoln I didn't know that, but yeah. I know he's... Uh, in Gosh, the originalist at Arena, he played Justice Scalia. I, yes, I was like told that. You know, he's a doll. Yeah. I mean, you know, he plays my brother Ben, who Ben, my brother Ben and I, Regina, um, are we get along. We see more eye to eye, even though there are times when we when he backstabs me or I go around his back, and but but we respect each other more than our other brother. And um, you know, he's just I I love hearing uh hear all the things he's done here in Washington. I mean, he's probably played practically every role that's just <laughs> been written in American yeah. literature and, and not just American literature, English yeah. and uh English plays. But um yeah, the whole cast is 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 terrific. He's very good and uh, the costumes, oh my god, are are just exquisite. I cannot wait um to put those costumes it's on. It's at 1900 Alabama setting. What is it? Uh, yes, nineteen hundred. So the women have you know bustles and nice. you know corsets, which I'm not so crazy about that idea. But, <laughs> but a they little do, hard to breathe. Uh, it, it makes it a little more of a challenge. But they, it is an attractive silhouette, as they say. Uh, okay. But he's just chosen such. I mean, it was a really beautiful time in, yeah. in fashion. Um, if, if people are familiar with that show, The Nick, that's on. Yeah. Uh, Stars? Well, I don't know what it's on actually. Cinemax, something like that. Anyway, look it up. that's You're the on your era. Computers, look it up. <laughs> that's the era, and those costumes are really wonderful. And um, or any of those uh, uh, Age of Innocence, those Edith Wharton right. type novels. Um, so, uh, and the set's going to be incredible. I mean, you know, it's fun to do period. I, I don't, I don't think I know. I've not done this period before. I've certainly done period pieces, but um, uh, so I'm looking forward to all of that. The mannerisms and. And the way you have to carry yourself and yeah. etc. Awesome. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. 
Tell me about you. You you grew up in in Nebraska, right? Yes, I and... grew up in a, a small town, North Bend, Nebraska. Population twelve hundred. Whoa! So you get yeah. this whole rural idea? I here. do. Okay. I absolutely do. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did I see you started doing weather reports on a local news station? Is this right? Well, I guess that would be my my first on camera <laughs> job. Would be yes. I I did it for one summer, and okay. it was it I. I went to a college in Nebraska um, called Kearney State College for two years, and then I transferred to Northwestern, where, which is where I graduated from. Okay. But in that summer between my sophomore and junior year, I, I did the weather. And it came about, I was a fluke. There was a guy in my <laughs> one of my interpretation of drama classes that was he did the, reg, the weather during the week, and he says, we're looking for a, a, we- a weekend person. Yeah. Come on out and audition. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I honestly, I was... I sucked. I really did. <laughs> but I, I winked into the lens. And, right. You know, I, they thought that was charming or whatever. And I got the job. And but it was hard. I mean, yeah. I had to make my own maps and yeah. you know, a compi- I would get all the information <laughs> off the AP UPI wire services. This is way before the internet, you yeah. know. So um, I there was with my magic marker, mainly the, the high pressure systems. <laughs> <laughs> so rudimentary, I'm telling you. Yeah, how'd you make the switch into acting? Did you do streetcar in college? This was. Well, okay, so I transferred to Northwestern, and there, you know, things kind of kicked into high gear because that's a school that you know was known for its theater program, and a lot of young people and that were, you know, they that's what they wanted to do, and I didn't really have many peers that thought they were going to become professional actors or yeah. directors or writers, whatever. Um, and in fact, you know, Julia Dreyfus was in uh, was there when I was there. No and, kidding. Yeah. What was she like back then? She, you know, I, 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 we weren't actually friends. We were oh, in yeah. a production of the a Three Penny Opera together, and That's crazy. Um, yeah, and uh, she was, you know, she was always very talented, and she had gotten into the improv. We, there was an improv troupe still in, at Northwestern called the Meow uh, Troupe, and uh, she was, she got into that troupe as a freshman. So Did you just do cats every year, or what? What's that? Did you just do cats every year? I don't know how it got the name <laughs> Meow. Honestly, they, but they did a number of things, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, they uh, so it was clear that she you know was gonna you know have a career in in right. comedy, and or just in in as an in general, actress yeah. you know and um, so uh, gosh I got side sidetracked with Julie Louis Dreyfus. No, we were just act, asking uh, how you made the the leap into into acting. Oh, okay. And, so and specifically, did... how did you get to Ryan's Hope, the soap opera? Off of that, how did that transition? Happen? Okay, so I uh, North. Western, I played. I got an opportunity to play all the, a lot of the great roles. Yes, Blanche and Streetcar Named Desire and Kate in Taming of the Shrew, which was a play that was seen by a casting agent that worked for ABC Daytime Television, which led to an interview, which led to a screen test for Ryan's Hope, which ah, was the I soap see. I did right out of college. That was sort of your big breakthrough onto the. Uh, yes, that is what got me the agent and yes. all that. Yeah. But what got you the Emmy and several nominations for it was uh, China Beach. You played, uh, it was in Vietnam, right? It was a set heroin in, addicted I, prostitute I, role. I, I mean, this... All the salacious uh, <laughs> Man, adjectives. Yes, I, I played, a, yeah, the character's name was Casey. Casey from Casey. Ah. And, um, and she, yes, it was set in Vietnam during the war. And the this, this show's base uh Focused on a lot of the female characters, um, the you know the nurses that were there, the 
Red Cross volunteers, also known as Donut Dollies, um, USO performers, Chloe Webb. I don't know if you know the actress Chloe Webb mm-hmm. was also on that show for a little while. Dana Delaney was in that show. Um, so it was a, you know, a great, great part. It was, uh, as you said, you know, uh, although I, I don't, I de-emphasize the heroin addictive oh, thing because okay, that okay. was just like one season or ha- even like a half a season or gotcha. something. The, the thing I like to emphasize about that character is that she really was like one of the first sort of yuppies, the first like on entrepreneur you know entrepreneurial women in the in the during the war i mean she you know i was selling cars to gis i was yes i was yes servicing the upper echelon in the (laughs) (laughs) i stayed away from the grunts um and um oh i I even like opened up a beauty salon you know like at on china beach and yeah i did a lot of things it was just a really fun character but also just very sassy and kind of told it like it was and and um great part Definitely. Um, that was a great part. Won you an Emmy. But um, a lot of us, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will most know you from CSI, all the years you, you did that. I think a couple Emmy nominations, Golden Globe nominations. Um, tell us about that role and, you know, how much, the, uh, you know, how that sort of changed your life. And I'm sure people on the street now know you as Catherine. Yes, yeah. Catherine, or as Catherine they say, Willows. As, uh, Catherine Willows, and as they say in Paris, Catherine. <laughs> I, uh, I, what was that? Catherine. <laughs> and it's called Les Experts. In, ah. uh, it's, it was that show, CSI, it was a global phenomenon. I mean, I got, everywhere I go in the world, I get recognized. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I, I was in Cuba. Um, a couple of years ago, before the, the you know the ban was lifted, the Big travel ban was lifted. So I feel yet. like I was one of the I was there before. Anyway, <laughs> it's a, we can and, thank you for that, really. Yeah. Oh uh, yes, exactly. You healed U.S. Cuban relations <laughs> <laughs> through CSI. <laughs> Heard it here first. But you know who you just always thought like you know they don't get American programming, blah blah blah. It, I mean, literally, almost the, the moment I stepped foot through immigration, I got recognized. And throughout the country, it was. Wow. Uh, it was such a shock. I had no idea. And because they get very little programming there, I, and lot, most of it's bootlegged because right. they, they say, well, how did they even get this? And then the stories, we go, well, you never really know in Cuba. Somebody puts something on a memory stick. It gets passed around, passed around, passed around. Eventually, yeah. it ends up on public television. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds and, legal. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. they do things that are very inventive in, in, yeah. uh, in Cuba. And the loveliest, some of the loveliest, sweetest people I've ever met. Yeah. So um, anyway, so playing that part was, I had no idea. I had a really strong feeling the show was going to be a hit mm-hmm. when I shot the pilot, saw the you know finished cut and all of that. I just thought, wow, we're onto something here. And you know, it's always great to be validated, right? I mm-hmm. I never would have assumed it would have had the global uh, reach that it's had, or had the impact on young people wanting to become criminalists. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's it's. You know, it'd be nice if every actor could have that opportunity to be on like a show that has that kind of success because it's a fun ride and we it was such an amazing cast and to be on something that in its day was very innovative and uh, you know they've there's this term called the CSI effect. I mean, sometimes it's equated with like a negative term in solving uh, or in a case Mm -hmm. and sometimes the uh, court system doesn't always appreciate <laughs> that the jury wants to. Well, why can't you do this? You know, why can't you get the tox results in forty-eight minutes? Like yeah. they do. Like that's they not do how Mark CSI. did it. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, having said that, it was all 
it's such a it was a it was a great experience all That's around. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not just TV. You've you've had some great film roles, too. i got to ask you about the two Steven Sbergs, Steven Spielberg in Always and uh, Steven Soderbergh in Aaron Brockovich. What was it like working with both of them? Like, contrast their styles for me. And there's a Steven Seagal. And a Seagal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another one. The double S's. Sorry, the three Stevens. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, well, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, I... Uh, I when I met him, the movie was always, and it was a long time ago, 1989. I had been, I was on China Beach at the time, so I walk into the room to meet him, and and he says, "I the, such a gracious guy he says, yeah. I'm a big fan of yours." I mean, that's uh, was like wow. I, I was so taken aback by that, like <laughs> compliment to be complimented like that from you know yeah. Spielberg, and it was such an incredible experience. He he loves making movies, loves making movies. In fact, I even overheard him say that we were shooting in my stuff was shot in Moses Lake, Washington, which is kind of near where the Grand Coulee Dam is. Mm-hmm. If you anyone knows where that is, beautiful area, and um, like some mountain top or a coulee top or whatever it mm-hmm. happened to be, and I just him. It, I think he was just saying it uh, out loud to anybody who says, God, I love making movies. That's and, great. Oh, I know. To have it come out of his mouth like that it was so incredible. It shows, and, too, in the work, you know? You can yes. see the passion. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, he truly loves making movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what? A, that was, you know, and that was my first film. And that was that Audrey was, Hepburn's last role, right? It was. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet her. She was. Uh, she had a scene with Richard Dreyfuss in a uh, Cornfield or something like that, but yes, I, I do I can still yeah. claim I was in Audrey Hepburn's last. Yeah, you film. were frozen in time in that movie. Yeah, All right. yeah. All right, exactly. and what about Aaron Brockovich? That was it. Working with Julia and and Steven Soderbergh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a great experience. That's one. I mean, Steven. First off, you know he's such. He would operate. He wasn't his own DP. A lot of times he would DP the films, but he he Ed Ed. Um, um, Blackman uh, was the DP, but Stephen would sometimes operate, and that was always kind of fun because yeah. he would he'd give you a direction. He'd look out from behind the headlands and like shake his head, <laughs> saying, "You know, whatever, yeah. thumbs up." And um, and he moves super fast, which is is kind of nice. I used to working fast, having done so much television in my life, and um, so not a ton of takes and not a lot of ton of t- and not very little like rehearsals or anything like because right. mostly because Julie doesn't really like enjoy a lot of rehearsals and a lot of movie stars don't you know they kind of like just doing it because they right. you, you know you put the work in before you arrive and then yeah. just do it and I, I like that too um, you're, you're the character at the house she comes to visit right the, the, who's ill and they start this whole investigation yeah. Uh, yeah this yes this character was is kind of a compilation of a couple different of real people because that was a real case sure. you know PG and E had you know um this uh, chromium six hex hexavalent six or you know, was this had seeped into the groundwater supply and and a lot of people were getting various types of cancers from it and uh, so um, and that's the investigation that I I my character contacted them saying and and it's it's complicated but I they were going to build PG&E was going to build um, a bypass road or something to to make things easier for their company and they were going to go right through my double wide and <laughs> um, and so I that's how I, I said I don't want to live I live I love my house I don't want to leave and then but in this box was all this other stuff about medical uh, you know issues and stuff and that's when Aaron says Julius character and Brockovich says well I don't understand. He goes, well, you know, they're all kind of. I just threw them all in the same box, and that uncovered the yeah. all, all of the right, right, right. The, ex, the expo, expose of right. you know 
so many people in the community yeah. having cancers. Um, so, you know, first off, the story itself, you know, anytime an underdog takes on a corporation, a big, bad corporation, and yeah. wins. I mean, who doesn't love that story? It, it, it's actually now considered sort of a classic, yeah. um, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. And it it's was... like 15 years ago now, hard to believe. Yeah, but. I know. And, and, and Julia, it was like such a beautiful marriage between a personality and a character and uh she was fantastic in that movie and she was great to work with she was so supportive and fun and easy and to get along with and 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 steven i just you know i adore him um that whole cast was incredible uh on that it's just a great film i'm really proud to be a part of that film yeah and you've and, had some other um, great roles. You've done a lot of like thriller horror stuff. On Stephen King's Under the Dome, that series. Um, I did, yes. Species. Mr. Brooks, was it, with Kevin Costner's yes. Serial Killer? Why do you like those? Real quick, and then uh, we'll close out. But uh, why do you like those thriller horror elements? Um, I, You know, it's funny. I don't necessarily... <laughs> Like think think of myself as a, yeah. a, a being attracted to that, but I yes, because I also did another Stephen King miniseries years ago called The Tommyknockers, oh, yeah. twenty plus years ago, and with uh, Jimmy Smits, and um and that was shot in New Zealand before, you know before long before Lord of the Rings and yeah, all that yeah. stuff too. But um uh yeah, and Mr. Brooks, I mean Kevin Costner, he's one of my. Somebody asked me earlier today, like who. who who are some of your favorite people you worked with? I'd say I have to say Kevin Costner awesome. too, because he was so gracious and and um, we just did a phone I, interview with him. He brought his band to the Birchmere. Oh, here. that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. he has a band. Yeah. yeah, he's a cool guy, right? He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great. Yes, yeah, super great guy and and sexy too to boot. <laughs> <laughs> that's an added bonus. There you go. You heard it there. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, come back and see the little foxes at Arena Stage. Uh, in closing, why should they come out? You know, if they've heard this interview and they're saying this sounds pretty cool. What gets them there? What gets them there? If you want to hear some great writing, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, needs to be seen again, needs to be heard again, and a story that a lot of people can relate to. I mean, dysfunctional families, and it's got a lot of humor, too, and uh, um, great costumes. Mark, thanks so much. Thank you. It's, It's been a blast. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.